we would be honored if you would join. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where pack your bags, grab your unicorn, throw on your magical cloak of invisibility, because I'm going to hand the reins over to Krebs. He's good, and we're going to talk about your favorite RPGs or your game mechanics. Who knows where this magical ride is going to go, because only the unicorn truly knows. Thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great intro. You did a great job there. You know, I've over the years, you know, I've been playing tabletop RPGs for going on 30 years now. And I have been very fortunate that I've been able to experience like a multitude of systems and maybe not, you know, definitely not as many as Alton has experienced, I'm sure. Probably not as many as you've experienced, Dan, but I have still experienced a multiplicity of systems. And with every system, I have found things that I really liked and things that I was not so fond of. I would play one system and say, oh man, I wish I had this mechanic from this other game and vice versa. Happens all the time. It's as if the perfect system might not exist. (gasps) But... But then again, maybe it does. It's definitely a taste thing, right? But tonight I wanted to talk about the systems that we love. And I want us to focus first and foremost on our absolute number one favorite RPG system. And I want you to consider about two or three things that you love about that system and one or two things that you're not really happy with that you wish they would fix or change in some way, or maybe it changed from the way it used to be. And the change is not so good. Something that you think could be improved. Now, Elton, you undoubtedly have the most exposure to tabletop systems out of all three of us. Is there a system that you could definitively say is your absolute number one favorite? If you had to sit down and play a tabletop RPG, that's the system. And I I also, I'll let you answer that in just a second. I'm happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. But uh, I also want to make sure that we're clear about this. We are talking about the system, not the setting. So let's talk about like the the mechanics, which I know, I know, Alton, I know you know the difference, but I want to make it clear for our listeners. I want to make it clear for myself to make sure that we stay on topic. So Alton, is there a system that you would mark as your number one favorite tabletop RPG system? So here's the thing about that, okay? And and I, I know that, first off, no matter what I say, someone out there is going to get upset that I chose <laughs> whatever thing over whatever other thing. And that's okay, right? Everybody has reasons that they like their individual systems. And for me, my personal favorite system is also one that I know a lot of people are probably going to disagree with for various reasons. But I also understand that the reason that I love this system so much is partially because it was the system that I learned to play the game in. It's also the system that I have the most experience with, but also as somebody who loves customizability and crunchy mechanics and understanding the the mathematics and interweaving of games more than anything else pathfinder first edition is still my favorite system to date not because i believe that it is a perfect system i have ported so many things into pathfinder from other systems when i run it for people to help the experience really be excellent but as one of the systems that was mechanically based on a 3.5 open game license that took a lot of the things that made D&D 3.5 great, did not fix all of them, but fixed some of them and balanced other things into good space. Um, It really captured a lot of the essence of a good crunchy dungeon crawly get in and build a character and every level I'm looking forward to leveling up because I'm going to get something cool and if I have a plan from the beginning then by the time that I get to level 10 I'm doing really cool stuff because I've gone down this path and 
on the opposite side of that coin, every time that I sit down at tables with players who are far more experienced than I am, who understand the system and have read every page that I admittedly have not, inevitably, whether it's as a player or as a GM, somebody's going to bring something to the table that I've never seen before, and I'm going to have to learn that cool new thing. Um, again, not a perfect system, but for me, it is one that I hold in, in great esteem. Excellent. Awesome. And so what I heard you say in there is that you, you like the system for its flexibility, its injectability, or as we software developers would say, extensibility. Um, but you like that you can expand upon it with mechanics that you like from other sources that you can inject into the game. Also, it sounds like it's pretty, it's relatively accessible and simple in terms of like learning how to create a character. And when you level up, you get consistent and meaningful rewards. Is all of that pretty accurate? Yeah, pretty accurate. I mean, for anybody who, who hasn't played 3.5 or Pathfinder, um, it is considerably crunchier than fifth edition. Um, now, can you define design, the term crunchier for our listeners? Yeah, so when we're talking about crunchiness within an RPG, we're talking about mechanical complexity, but also mathematical complexity, right? There's a lot of content and it all interacts with itself in very, very interesting ways. Um, in order to really min-max a character, right? Figuring out the best possible way to do the thing that you want to do, there is some knowledge intensive, some knowledge intensity. Um, and uh, inevitably, as more content gets created, there have consistently been things that have accidentally become busted or that have dramatically changed the landscape of what was possible before. Um, for players who really love to build characters, um, not just in terms of backstory, but in terms of mechanical bits. What can I do with my character? Crunchier RPGs often tend to be more satisfying for those people because even though the story is fun, being able to explore the story through the lens of what are sometimes perceived to be back-breaking mechanics or game-breaking mechanics is a lot more fun. As an excellent example, I, I actually have the great privilege of being a player right now in a campaign that's been going for over a year, uh, a year over a year and a half at this point. Nice. Um, it's been fantastic. I play every other Saturday night for a few hours and, and have been having a great time with it. But um, I'm playing this barbarian and I sat down from the beginning and I said, okay, I am aiming for what I want to do by level 10. What I want to do by level 10 is I want to have as many attacks of opportunity as possible. Meaning if anybody moves through my space or tries to do something that would distract me from whatever I'm doing, I get to try to hit them. Um, normally in Pathfinder, you're limited to one per round, which means even if I, have, if I have multiple people moving through my space, I only get to hit one of them. But I said, I'm gonna just get as many as I can. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to do at level 10 was take advantage of a little mechanic from 3.0 and 3.5 and Pathfinder called Cleave, in which if I take a full round attack action, meaning that all I'm doing this round is attacking, if I successfully hit somebody and am within range of somebody else that I can also hit, I can keep hitting until I miss or until there is nobody that I haven't hit yet. Um, and so I just wanted to be this kind of tanky crowd control, get in and do what I want to do guy. Um, now that I'm finally at level nine, um, which I know that sounds like absurd for having played for a year and a half, but that's kind of how it is sometimes when you're actually playing long form campaigns. Uh, the other night we, we got into this battle um, and uh, maybe six months ago, eight months ago, I had a situation in which my character ended up being mind controlled. And so I decided to pick up some additional defensive capabilities and things like that. We get into this fight. We have these uh, succubi that transform in front of us and they're all sitting around this pool of water that you know, player knowledge we know is dangerous. Characters, obviously we would have no clue, but uh, the succubus tries to uh, uh, seduce me and mind control me 
Um, and when that fails, she tries to grapple me. Well, I'm a big beefy barbarian. She can't, she couldn't use the spell that she thought she could against me because I had spell resistance. So she failed a check, wasn't able to get me. Then she tried to grapple me and I had an ability that allowed me to immediately counter grapple her. So all of a sudden now I'm holding her down. And she's like, my thing. seduction ploy worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except, you know, I'm crushing her windpipe. And so she can't cast spells. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't shame other people's kink. It's fine. Keep going. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> uh, and, and then the other succubi that are around the edge of this pool all start trying to take shots at me. But I have this war paint that lets me uh, have the effects of blur. So 20% of the time, their attacks just miss. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there and the GM is sitting there like, well, I mean, this is supposed to be a lot harder than it looks like you're making it. I'm like, yeah, that's how it is. And we get through that encounter fairly quickly. We move on to the next room and it's the big bad evil guy who happens to be this copper dragon. And one of the guys casts fly on me. So I'm able to fly up after him. I start hitting him at melee range and this guy gets seven attacks. He's dealing like a hundred damage around. Oh. But because I am blurring and I have some damage resistance and all these other things. And anytime that he tries to cast a spell or move out of my range, I can chase after him. And I have seven attacks of opportunity if it's on a single target. Like it, it again, that type of crazy epic level crunch that you can do if you know that it's there. Um, that's your new nickname fun for me. That's your new nickname. Your new nickname is Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. That's yeah, because you absolutely owned that system. And the system's designed so that you can do min-max like that. Like you can actually plan out the, str yeah. the, the strategy and the strength of your character. Now the min to that character is that I have straight sevens in intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Oh, like, don't we like, all? My only job is to get in and deal damage. And then the moment that there's anything else going on, I'm dumb as a brick. Uh, my, one of the things that I'm playing from a role-playing perspective is anytime we walk into a, a, a room Art. that we haven't been oh. in before, I'm now looking for secret doors because one time we were in a room and the rogue found a secret door and he couldn't get it open, but I was able to bash it down. So now I'll just randomly hit walls to see if I can bash down a secret door. Right. And that's kind of crazy fun nonsense. Um, but, but that kind of, again, the, the word for it is crunch that that texture, that mechanical complexity, where I know that there are things about my character that are not optimized because I don't know about them or because I made some other choice early on because I wanted to do this specific thing that in most circumstances is not great, but when it matters, I get to be the guy that whirling dervishes through the entire horde of zombies. That feels really fun to me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so Dan, Dan, yeah, you have also experienced a bevy of systems over the years. You've had some amazing blog-worthy, podcast-worthy experiences. Can yeah. you definitively state a, a, an RPG system that you would consider your number one favorite? I mean, that's, I mean, to be honest, that's like saying, hey, which one of your kids is your favorite? Yeah, so which one? I mean, that's easy. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, you know, or like, it's, it's, it's not an easy one to pick. Um, I mean, there's the, you know, the, at the go-to game system that you, you say it, everyone has played it, everyone has done, that's Dungeons and Dragons. Of course. We, we do. We know that. Um, my favorites, though, tend to be the ones that are more challenging, other than, you know, just the, you know, the random dungeon crawl crash and bash um if i have to pick one i'd have to say the savage world system uh rpg system i really like that and the reason i like that is because it's so flexible in their system that you have different types uh you can have, like pretty much have any game flavor you want you know you want to play a western grab deadlands uh you want to play some alien world that's based off of an old 1980s video game you know play th thunderscape uh savage world's thunderscape uh i mean even larry korea who we're gonna have on the show in a couple weeks he yeah his, we are 
his Monster Hunter International book series has been has an RPG that is based on the Savage Worlds mechanics. I it's and it's not very hard, but it's it's complicated enough that it's entertaining. It allows you to create the type of characters you want. It allows for great game mechanics for you know amazing game moments where you guys will be talking about those moments for years to come as well as enough the the game components give enough for you can screw up and you're going to talk about those moments for years to come um it i really enjoy the game for that and and the storytelling capability i think for me i think i i think that's i alton loves the number crunching he loves the mechanics i love the storytelling aspect of rpgs so i think you know that's that's why i love this one so much it allows for storytelling it allows for that ability for the players to be able to use storytelling to uh expand and grow uh their characters and i know alton has a rebuttal already i can see it well no no no, not not a rebuttal but just a question because i think that you struck on something that hadn't actually occurred to me as Krebs asked the original question. Oh, okay. Which is um, for, for you, Savage Worlds, right? You're saying that you love it because you love the storytelling aspect. Do you prefer Savage Worlds as a player, as a GM or both for that reason? Because um, for me, I was coming from the aspect of as a player. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it for both, really. Uh, you know, as a player, because we have these unique system settings, you know, I can play a dusty gunslinger that is down on his luck, that uh, the only thing he trusts in the world is this, the six shooter on his hip and his trusty dog that he just found as a pup in a car, in, you know, in a wooden box uh, at some, some real depot. And he was dying and somehow that dog gave him the will to live. And now he's hunting down the people that shot him and almost killed him. I mean, stuff like that makes it fun. Um, I mean, I just threw that together in, in seconds, but that the, game, the mechanics of that game system allow for that. Um, at the same time, you can easily uh, run a game where you're this archaeologist that has stumbled upon this religious item uh, and you're, you're running away from Nazis to try to keep this religious item. Dang it, Dan, you. it belongs in a museum. Exactly. I, that's that's why I love the mechanics of that. You can easily incorporate movies that you, you love. You can uh, bring in story, whether you're the GM developing a great adventure or the player itself coming up with a really cool backstory for your character that plays into the story that you're running or playing in. Awesome. And you know what? That, that makes me want to ask you, Elton. Do you have a different answer based on whether you're a GM or a player as to which system is your favorite? So, uh, funnily enough, as a GM, um, it, it depends on the audience that I'm playing with. Uh, yeah. If I'm playing with a whole bunch of people that are learning RPGs um, for the first time that still want a little bit of crunchiness, but nothing super crazy in depth, mm -hmm. um, I like fifth edition. But that's also partially because of the bevy of free tools that are available to assist new players and the, and its ubiquitousness, right? The fact that you can walk into any game store in the world, <laughs> go onto Reddit very easily and find answers, get help. You, um, you can but, find core books at Target, for heaven's sake. Yeah. And so if I'm helping players who really want to get into RPGs because they know they love RPGs, uh, they know they're going to love RPGs. That's usually what I will use. Um, I still do run Pathfinder and love running Pathfinder for experienced players. I've had great games, in fact, where I've been able to say if it exists in 3.5 or Pathfinder, you can use it. It's right? Whatever game. tools, whatever books are at your disposal, um, because there's so much cross compatibility. There, there's so many things that are open there. Um, one of the other ones that I really, really love from a storytelling aspect that I've stolen a lot of tools from uh, is Edge of the Empire, which we will play at some point. I really want to. I almost bought the core book like five times. So, so to be fair, I own the books, but I've never played it. To so be fair, 
I am none of those things. And it's it's really sad considering I am a Star Wars, a huge Star Wars nut that I have yet to play that game. So with with Edge of the Empire, it utilizes um, the the core Genesis mechanics that were developed by Fantasy Flight Games, um, uh, in which you can succeed at something with negative effects or fail at something with positive effects or succeed with positive or fail with negative. And there are very rarely kind of middle of the road, nothing happens situations. Um, especially in the context of being able to use the force um, or divine intervention, if you're working in a fantasy, being able to have those types of tools at my disposal as a DM is really nice. And the way that they treat character creation um, uh, led to the development of the motivation, obligation, core belief clock system that we've talked about before. Nice. Um, and then obviously I'm, I'm very partial to uh, dimensions, my, my pet project for people who don't know whether they would like an RPG or not and want to try, but that's a tale for another time. Coming summer 2020 X. <laughs> 20xx maybe 2xxx (laughs) (laughs) but i I do agree uh dungeons and dragons fifth edition is easy if you want to throw together uh, a game an adventure or whatever for people that have never played before it's like hey you let's run of an adventure this is what it's like go um or i have these prefab characters or we can go through the process of creating characters it's really simple easy the tools are there um and they don't really have to struggle a lot through it. And if any of you are not using D&D Beyond, try it. They have all of the core rules available for free, especially if you're just getting into RPGs and you don't know how to manage a character sheet yet. Fantastic. As a GM, DM, and a game store owner, if I'm running 5e for people, I have a paid account so that people can access all of my books and that makes the whole game run so much more smoothly because I can see everybody in one spot, see what they're seeing and answer their questions with direct references to the books that they need to look at. That's amazing. Yeah, the online and otherwise digital tooling that has come out for D&D over the years, specifically for 5th edition, are extremely impressive. And that is coming from a guy who has worked on two personal projects one for palladium uh one for rpgs in general that uh i I was soloing those projects for educational experience but also because i wanted those things to be real it is not a trivial problem to create digital tools that are meaningful and valuable to a given rpg system because rpg games by their very nature tend to to depend upon the human ability to be abstract. I want to give you this concept. I'm going to give you these guidelines. I'm going to give you this rule for this, but you're the adjudicator. And yes, it's normally like this 95% of the time, but then 2% of the time it's this and 0.7% of the time it's that and 3% of the time is this, but now we're over hundred percent. So we're going to have to back off. You know, it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting how RPGs are designed that way. Yeah, and, and graphical interfaces as well. Being able to present all of that information in a way that is intuitive and easy to navigate. Like yes. one, of the, one of the greatest uh, things that came out of second edition and especially third edition was a standardized character sheet that was easy to navigate. Yes. But being able to replicate that digitally, right? Like when you have pen and paper, when you're dealing with physical media, there are things that are easier for a, for a player to do when you're working with a digital medium it's completely different mm-hmm. even though you're presenting the same information the way that you interact with your phone versus a notebook is very very different and, and you have to account for that absolutely and anyway yes I, i'm not trying to take away from your point but rather punctuate it and agree with it it is a uh, huge undertaking absolutely uh and for me in terms of the favorite system, and I know this comes as no surprise, but it's Kroll. No, I'm just joking. It's Palladium. Uh, Palladium is actually Palladium is is how I got introduced to Dan in the first place. We saw yeah. we saw each other at what was then SLC Nerd, if I remember correctly. We were playing yep. a game of that was Palladium based. Dan noticed it and he said, "Hey, 
I, I, I've been kind of, I wanted to get someone on the show to talk about this system and you guys are playing, why don't you come on? And so my, my game group at the time, we came on as like a, an enclave of guests and uh, you know, heaven help us all. Now I'm a co-host on the show, but Palladium, I, that is a system that I have been playing since the early nineties. It's not my first system that I ever experienced. I experienced multiple systems before that. This is my favorite system. And I, what I like about this system is it is a fairly, uh, first of all, the system is universal enough in its design that it supports a fantasy system to compete with D&D. There is a modern zombie system, a modern zombie apocalypse game. It has uh, a superhero and a super villain uh, IP is what I'm looking for, like like game series. They have rifts, which I lovingly and jokingly refer to as the every game because it has a little bit of everything in it. That's sort of the point. Like rifts is their flagship game on this system, and it represents what the system can be. It can be anything. It has strengths in the sense that you can get really crunchy with it and you can create characters that have very specific strengths, very specific abilities, very specific opportunities to be heroes or villains accordingly. It's a game that knows itself really well in the sense that it understands the vast majority of human nature. It makes the argument, and, and just like you were saying earlier, Elton, I know what I'm about to say next is probably going to ruffle some feathers, but for me, I consider this a positive. This is just a personal opinion, everybody. But it, when it comes to alignment, it takes the stance that no one can be neutral, that there's no concept of neutrality. You're going to have an opinion one way or the other. You won't. E even if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Thank you, Rush. And the idea is that you, you're either going to be super duper duper good. You're going to be good with, you're going to be a little good with some selfishness. You're going to be a little uh, evil with some chaoticness, or you're going to be straight up evil, right? There's no concept of just sort of riding the middle rail and finding your moral neutrality. So no moral Al Gore's out there. Uh, the yeah. other thing, oh, go ahead. I was just going to expand on that thought with neutrality. Uh, um, it's a big problem that I have with players too, because even when they're like, well, I'm trying to not take a side on this. As soon as I ask the question, why? <laughs> then all of a sudden the neutral isn't so neutral anymore because right. they say, well, it's bad to take away life from other people. I'm like, well, then that's a good motivation, even though you're doing a neutral action, right? Like, yeah, there's all kinds of, yeah, I, I agree. Um, or or the, the, the perfunctory notion that if you do something, let's say selfish or even evil in the heat of the moment, you must find some alternate action to balance it out and vice versa. If you give someone some bread, you have to, you have to like rob food from someone by knife point to balance it out. I just don't, I just don't think that's realistic and it's never been an alignment that has ever appealed to me. Now there are, there are people out there who love playing neutral characters because they love the mind game that goes with that. And I'm not going to yuck your yum. I am perfectly fine with you enjoying that aspect. What I am, what I'm saying, and I, and I think Alton's on this train with me is that I don't believe that neutrality in an alignment is a realistic expectation, nor does it lead to a realistic or believable or vulnerable character. Uh, it just it just makes me think of the line from Futurama, how very neutral of you. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's seen, if you, have you guys seen that episode, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I love, I love Palladium for its combat system. I love its core character creation there are some things i don't like about character creation with palladium but it's core it's basics there's a lot about character creation there that i really like and i love the diversity of outcomes expressed by the system being as flexible and dare i say universal as it is dan what were you gonna say yeah. i'm sorry i cut you off no you're fine uh, it was great that you finished that out. Um, I, I think that's probably the reason why we like some of these other systems is the you know the alignment issue. That is something I've always really struggled with. It's like 
characters and people are diverse. We're not completely lawful good. We're not completely evil. We're not completely neutral. We just kind of blend in and out depending on the situation. You know, there are some situations where maybe, yeah, we are a little chaotic evil in, in what we've done. You know, there's probably moments where we decide, hey, I'm going to go egg my uh, band teacher's house and then it freezes that night and it's all frozen all over the house. That could probably be considered chaotic evil. I don't know. Um, but I, I always struggle with that, especially when you have people like, okay, I'm true neutral, which means I can't take a side. I'm sorry. That's just not life, you know? Uh, and there are times where I've had players that are like, I'm true neutral. I'm like, really? Were you true neutral with those goblins you just slaughtered? Yeah. Because if you were true neutral, you would have you would have said, hey, whoa, whoa, we're invading their home, their cave. We should leave. Um, we shouldn't we shouldn't get in the middle of this dispute with the king whose whose daughter has been kidnapped because maybe she ran off with the other guy because she's in love with him. I mean, just we don't get in conflicts. You know, I, I'm just here to collect a paycheck and do nothing. And, and even stepping away from neutrality, every single one of us knows somebody who we would consider to be uncharacteristically kind and considerate. But if you ask that person the moments in their life that they regret, I guarantee you they're going to bring up the moments where they snapped at their kids or they had a, a selfish mean thought that they acted upon, right? And, and it's like that that's part of life. Yes. And so... But that doesn't mean that you would characterize that person as a bad person. No, like, no. Situations happen. Yeah, yeah. And I think the if we could get rid of the alignment system in D&D, I think that would be fantastic. Yes, you could probably say that person is evil because he's going out and slaughtering people. But that is that character's perspective upon that person has nothing to do that person may think he is actually a good guy because he's doing something to save his kingdom every villain thinks they're the hero yes um and every every hero is someone else's villain right yep. uh all right so and by the way i'm really glad that we kind of hit this oil well of topic matter because i think this should be a future episode where we discuss the alignment system, what we like about it, what we don't like about it, maybe even hit a couple of other common uh, system tropes. And we can talk about what we think is realistic and not. And including things like as a GM, is there ever a time where a character could behave against their alignment, but still be in character? Uh, don't answer that now. That should be a future episode. So those are the things, those are the systems that we like. Uh, and by the way, Dan, thank you so much for bringing up Savage Worlds. Fun fact for those of you out there who might not know, Savage Worlds teamed up with Palladium and made a Savage Worlds system version of Rifts. It's actually Rifts yeah. Savage Worlds, if I remember correctly. Yep. And so you should absolutely, if, if you prefer a, a, a hyper simplified but still super fun system great for storytelling then the savage world system is a great place to go if you want to try the rifts world the, the rifts context and if you're more of a crunchy player or if you want to dive into the details then going to the original palladium palladium system is probably the way to go and of course as always dnd is is a traditional place to cut your teeth because it is a well-tested, well-evolved system. So those are the things, those are the systems that we love. And we've talked about what we love about those systems, but I would argue, maybe argue is not the right term. It has been, I have never experienced the perfect system. I, with every system, there's always some gap. There's always some element that I don't enjoy as a player or as a GM. Every system has some vulnerability. Oh man, it's almost like the real world is filled with strengths and weaknesses simultaneously. Uh, mm. So for all the munchkins out there who know what I'm talking about or hate what I'm talking about. So Dan, let's go over to you first. Sure. Is there any mechanic, is there any systemic aspect of Savage Worlds that you're not a big fan of? I mean, you're right. Every game system has its issues. Every game system has a flaw or maybe something that just doesn't work right. I mean, we just talked, we just gabbed about one just a second ago. You know, the alignment thing uh, with D and D and that. Um, for me, 
uh, with Savage Worlds. Um, I mean, there are some of the mechanics that sometimes feel a little clunky. Um, you know, like you said, if you're if you're looking for a, a, a mechanics heavy game system, this isn't for you. It's definitely it's more it's more st- storytelling. Um, so that would be. Uh, you know, kind of a fault to it. If you're, that's the type of game system you're looking for, you know, like Iron Kingdoms, man, that thing is mechanics driven, and I, it's a, I love it. I really love that game system too. But when you look to, um, if you're going from that to Savage Worlds, you're going to be disappointed. You're definitely going to be disappointed if that's what you love. Those, those game mechanics. It's kind of like with Palladium. If you're playing Palladium and that's what you love, and you go to Savage Worlds. You're going to be like, whoa, something's wrong here. Something's missing. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it's great that they made the simplified version of Rifts uh, so they could appeal to those people that want to play Rifts but don't want to play the heavy mechanics. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of lends itself to both a positive and a negative, in my opinion, because it just depends on, like Alton said, your audience. You know, if you have guys that love playing mechanics heavy games that just love to grind and chomp away at that, this isn't going to be for them. But if you have a group of people, guys, gals, whatever, that love storytelling, that love to be able to weave that wonderful story, this is going to be for you. It's it's going to be that. Um, and there are times where, I, you know, I'll, I want to create that type of game with mechanics and I just can't do it with that game system. I have to go to, to another game system um, to make that happen for that group. Um, because really it's the game is it's their game. I mean, you're just per, the conduit to provide a fun experience for them and it's them that it's about. So if I want to run a game, I, I have to adjust it to, to my players. And that's the way it ought to be. We, we, we've talked about that before where, you know, the GM is just facilitating the player's story. Yeah. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying though. If you have a group of, of players who enjoy the crunchiness or who enjoy specificity of systematic mechanics, then Savage Worlds is going to leave them a little underwhelmed because Savage Worlds yeah. prides itself on being low system high context as it were right so yeah i can totally see that alton for D and 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 i'd like to focus on fifth edition i mean we it would be really easy for us to burn fourth edition to the ground it would be really easy for us to laud you know three and 3.5 to the to the heavens but yeah fifth edition what don't you like about or is there anything that you don't like about it can I actually change to talk about Pathfinder? Oh, excuse me. You did say Pathfinder before, and I switched it yes, in my mind. I'm sorry. You did say Pathfinder okay. before. So yeah, Pathfinder, okay. go. So I, I... There is a glaring problem that exists in Pathfinder um, that is part of what motivated me to begin to design my own mechanics and to explore other systems. Um, and it's a problem that I still uh, am wrestling with. No, no puns. Uh, okay, maybe some puns intended mm-hmm. to this day. Um, but it is what I group collectively as control mechanics. Um, the two biggest examples of this um, and uh, are the grapple mechanic in Pathfinder and mind control, which is a problem that most RPGs just cannot handle. Um, So this is where crunch can go very wrong and or where not having enough mechanical support can make things extremely unenjoyable for you and your players and the other people at the table and anybody watching your live cast, et cetera, et cetera. People on the internet have literally had to put together a flow chart to be able to keep track of what you are able to do and what needs to happen when you try to grapple someone or someone Mm. tries to grapple you. Um, It is egregiously crunchy after having a very beautiful underlying mechanic in Pathfinder 
you have what are called combat maneuvers, right? And grapple is a combat maneuver. You have two different numbers. One is a combat maneuver bonus, which is saying, if I am trying to do something to you, this is how much I get to add to my D20. And you also have a combat maneuver defense, which is just a static number that is, how difficult is it to do physical things to me? Um, besides just regular hits. I'm talking about physically, I am trying to drag you to the edge of the cliff and throw you off. How hard is it for me to do that to you? Your CMD is what I have to beat with a die roll plus my CMB, which is really cool. But then they're like, but if you're grappling somebody, well, there's a lot more complexity here that we need to address. And all of a sudden it explodes into this huge web of complications even after playing this system for 12 years at this point, I still have to pull up the grapple flow chart every single time. And I've been playing a barbarian for a year and a half now. This is one of the things that I do. And I have to pull it up and I have to explain it to the GM and I have to explain it to the other players at the table and we have to bicker about what works and what doesn't. And then everybody turns their heads to me because I'm the barbarian and I have to go through the flow chart and say, this is what happens. It's absurd. On the opposite side, mind control is a simple one-off check. And then all of a sudden you're either completely compelled or they cannot make another check against you, which is, absolutely absurd to me <laughs> first off magic is nebulous and complex and crazy and there's probably should be some degrees of various levels of control there um but second off if you have to build a flow chart to explain me wrestling another guy why in the world is my mind somehow considerably less complex um, and it's not fun as a player, especially because as a barbarian who has to sit there and figure out how to grapple the magic user for 20 minutes, when it finally becomes their turn and they say, I mind control you, you just lose. And then they mind control you. And that feels really, really, really bad. Yeah. Um, it's a problem that I've addressed in many of my own games um, as I've been designing my D&D uh, &D equivalent system, I have things that help to find a nice middle ground on both of these. But that's really the biggest rock that if I could just crush it without having to use a flowchart, believe me, I would. I totally, totally hear that. Um, in fact, that actually kind of segues nicely into what I don't like about Palladium. And there are there, there's one thing for sure that I still am not a huge fan of, and there's even sort of like an honor, a dishonorable mention, but I, one of the things that turns people off from Palladium, and I've talked to many people over the years about this, is the complexity of character creation. Earlier, I said that the core of character creation is something that I enjoy and it's and something that I like a lot. But that's like talking, when I say core, I'm talking about attributes what they represent what bonuses you get and how to determine the values of those attributes giving your character a name choosing an alignment your your starting health that sort of stuff is pretty direct and is not particularly complex the moment you get outside of the core of your character when you start getting especially to the unfortunately dreaded skill system in Palladium. Uh, skills are one of those things that really frustrate newer people when it comes to Palladium. And uh, if it, let, me, let me summarize it like this. If you are a brand new player to the game and you're sitting down with your GM or another person who has experience making characters in Palladium, the average time it takes for a new player to make a new character with help is about an hour and a half. If you're making the character on your own and you don't have experience, it's closer to about three hours. Three hours to make a, a character for the first time. And that is enough to drive anybody away from a, a, an otherwise excellent system. So that's something that when they made Rift Savage Worlds, 
uh, that was something that really benefited the Rift's world was to have a much simpler character creation process for sure. The Just, uh, I was going to throw an honorable mention out there. If you want a game that's really quick that you can whip up a character in about two three minutes, XDM, try that game out. Uh, really simple, huh? I don't know that one. Uh, it's written by Tracy and Curtis Hickman. Uh, it's a really simple, uh, easy to go, really lighthearted game system. It's really based on, on, on storytelling. I think you have, what, three stats that you go off of to, to roll. It's really simple. Um, Psych, tech, and wah. Yeah. My, uh, I believe there's only one adventure on it, and that adventure, you start hanging over a pit of lava and the goal is to get back to the tavern to have drinks at the very end, you know, because most yeah. adventures start at a tavern. Yeah. Um, so it's really simple and easy. It's it's a great one if you just want a couple stats, you make your character, give them a name, and you go. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, my, my dishonorable mention for Palladium, I, I love the combat system because it's so freeform and open. But what that means is that more experienced players can manipulate and get more out of that system than less experienced players who are just kind of like, uh, I punch the guy. Because saying I punch the guy, there's a lot that's implied, sure. But it's like, okay, cool. So how are you standing? Where are they in orientation to you? Because Palladium is not typically played on like a battle mat, for example, although you could. Uh, and then it's like, okay, you're going for the face, you're going for the gut, you know, where, where you, there's all sorts of detail that can flesh out the, the combat scenario. And the GM can conduct it as complex or as simply uh, as they desire. Uh, but that, that sort of, once you start rolling dice, it becomes, well, there's D20 and it's this kind of attack. And then here's my skill for this kind of a weapon. And then here's my level in my martial art. And it becomes a lot more convoluted if you're not careful. Uh, again, I, I put most of the onus on the GMs there, but uh, it's one of those things where I think the system could stand to be simplified a little bit, but I don't want to lose I don't want to lose the robustness of that combat system. The robustness and the flexibility, the dynamicism is one of the things I love about it. And so if the, if the, if the price to have that dynamicism is that we have to have some abstract complexity inherent in the combat system, then okay, I'll, I'll take that. Okay, well, you know, we're up against the end of the show here. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to Alton. Alton, uh, is let, let's do a really quick lightning round and you are one of the best people at crafting like really clever thought-provoking questions and i'm really good at creating artificial pressure so here we go lightning round elton ask a question go okay friends <clears throat> so for a lightning round question tonight i want you to think of the top three words to describe your ideal rpg whether it's the one that you've already played or the one that you're waiting to play what are the top three words that describe your ideal RPG? For me, the first is progression. I want to be able to see characters evolve. I want to be able to level them up and have it be meaningful. I want to have cool things that I look forward to doing. The second is clarity. I want to be able to understand where I'm going and understand where I need to look to figure out a rule, to figure out what's best for my game as a GM or my player, my character, right, as a player. Um, and then the third for me uh, is emphasis. I want to know what the RPG is about. I want to know what it's focused on. And I want to know what it is that I'm signing up for when I sit down at the table. It's one of the things that I think makes XDM stand out very well. It's unfortunate that it's been sold out for quite some time. You can currently buy a copy on Amazon for $325. Yikes. Uh, you can get the Kindle version for significantly less. I highly recommend that you at least start there. Um, but uh, those are the, the three big things for me. Mr. Krebs. I'm going to sound totally plebeian compared to your eloquence, but risk there has to be pressure on me and the fellow players to 
to stand against. There has to be some obstacle, right? Reward, like you were saying, with growth, with loot, with expansion of skills, with increase in ability. And finally, world. It has to take place. The story, the context has to be something that appeals to me. It has to mean something to me. So those are the things I I would choose. My three words are risk, reward, and world. Dan. My three words. Um, I really, I guess it boils down to just kind of my personality with me. Uh, storytelling, creative, and challenging. You know, if it's too easy, it doesn't work for me. True. You know, it's, it's boring. Um, I have to have a level of creativity. Uh, you know, if I'm just building the standard barbarian, the standard mage, whatever, it doesn't work for me. You know, I've talked about my, my characters. I have some really unique characters I play, you know, like Cookie, the dwarf uh, that had a battle, uh, you know, he wrote a, a war pig named Bacon and had a, a, a war chicken named Eggs. And all of, his, all of his armor and weapons were cooking utensils that were modified. Um, I like to be creative and, and I get to experience that uh, in several different ways in these games. And then, of course, I have to be able to tell a story. If I'm just, you know, I can just jump on a video game and play some random character and run through a maze slaughtering things or a labyrinth. That's easy to do. I want to craft a story that I can sit here and gab with you guys on the podcast or with other people uh, at game stores or talk about them on panels because through that storytelling, that gives us stories to tell later on with other people or with our kids or whatever that, you know, you can tell, talk about and have a good laugh. Uh, you know, R.A. Salvatore still talks about his Wubba Wubba story, which is fantastic and hilarious. If you don't know that story, look it up on, you know, search up R.A. Salvatore Wubba Wubba on YouTube. Someone <laughs> recorded it. It's hilarious. It's brilliant. It's amazing. I hope to someday have that ex same experience, but I do have a lot of great stories. Uh, so th that would be mine. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been a wonderful evening. I'm so glad to have been here. And I think Krebs, unless you have anything else, Dan should probably take us out. All right. Uh, I'll wrap this show up. So remember that there are uh, many, many game systems out there that you can enjoy. They're, you know, and they're not all perfect. We've already told you that. You will find some issues here and there. But realize each of these games are designed to bring you entertainment. They're designed to allow you to have a fun experience at the game table with other people, your friends, even maybe even new people. Uh, and look for, don't, don't look for ways to exploit and damage the game, but look for ways to use the rules, the mechanics to make the experience better for you and those at the table. And with that said, we're out of here. And dungeon crawlers, whatever your system is, tell its story, whatever may come. And as we have always urged you to do, be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.